This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Hello and welcome to Disaster Girls, a podcast about disaster movies. I'm your host, Amanda Smith, and with me today, as every week, we've got a guest. So guest, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what movie you brought with us today? Hello, my name is Jennifer Prokop. I am a romance reader, editor, and co-host of podcast about romance called Faded Mates. And today we are talking about Night of the Comet in 1984 classic i'll call it i think it's fair to say classic even though i hadn't heard of it prior to your bringing it up having now seen it <laughs> what a classic yeah well and it's so the fun it's funny because when we are going back and forth about like what movie the thing i vividly remember about this particular movie is it was like the first movie i went to go see with like my friends oh without like a parent with me like i got dropped off at the movie theater yeah, this so you like that's perfect for this film in particular because this movie has such a free range child, yes, like 1980s, 1990s mall kid vibe. Yes, so it's perfect that it was your first mall kid movie. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's definitely like that was the 1980s, 1990s rite of passage was once you could be sure. dropped off at the mall and just be told to show up at a time because yes. that's how your parents would find you again. It was honestly magical, and one of like the parts of the movie where. They're sort of like, where could these kids possibly be? And they're Amazing. like, the mall. <laughs> and I really had a moment where I was like, gosh, what would we say now about like, where would kids, you're looking for a bunch of kids somewhere. Where would they be? And doing TikToks in the Target. I guess. Like, they'd be like, oh my God, finally, we can make all the TikTok videos sure. we want without anybody interrupting <laughs> us. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're right. Like, okay. So just to get right to it, um, the the synopsis of the movie is that there is a comet that comes around. Coincidentally, the last time it came around was 65 million years ago. Um, <laughs> right. Oh, I meant to look up, actually, if at that point we knew that an asteroid had killed the dinosaurs. Like, at what point did we know that? Oh, that's a great question. And I want to say that it was because I know it was formal, like it was already starting to kind of be formalized by the time that I was cognizant of it. So I want to say it was the late 70s, early 80s. But let me double check. Because I was Um, I remember thinking that was on my my research list and I forgot because I thought, I wonder if this. Because I kind of remember when they were like, no, wait, everybody, it was an asteroid. And we were like, wait, what? Yeah. And and it was like, and it, it's still, even though it's like accepted, it's still pretty new um, as a concept. But let me double check. Yeah, it was the late 1970s. So my okay. suspicion is that that was probably what happened was that they were like, ooh, interesting. Sure. Let's play with that as an idea. Well, In and 1980, was- yeah, Luis Alvarez... Um, in 1980 like discovered the iridium layer so that would it would have been like pretty new still well and Haley's comet remember was going to be came back around in 1986 which was two years later and so it would have also been kind of like I mean I remember that being like a big deal too because I'm old everybody you know like they're like oh this comet's gonna come it's gonna be a really big deal like my grandfather was really excited about it so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was definitely like that makes perfect sense when you put it in that kind of in that little sandwiched in there that, yeah, this would be that like in 20 when 2012 came out and everyone's like, well, yeah, because we're all we all have a ma- like a baseline level of understanding of the Mayan calendar because of where we're located in time. Right. Now. Right. Same thing. Right. Yeah. It's great, though. It's I love I love that they don't get further into explaining the science or any explanation oh, no. of why that comet is magic. And that's all that matters. Yes. So, right, the comet, essentially, everybody, everyone's all excited about it. They're going out and having watch parties. And instead of just going by and being pretty, it kills everyone on Earth. Except yes. 
the lucky few people who happened over at that point in time to have been inside something made of steel. That was like the whole, like the thing I really vividly remember it, right? Like one of the sisters is in a steel shed and the other yeah. one is inside like a film projection room. And then they meet a guy who spent the night in his, uh, his big rig. And those are like the survivors. Yeah. They, they set it up the rules really quick, quickly. And it's very specific and very lucky. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I loved that. Like, cause we get such a long, so the, the older sister, Reggie, who I would fully die for and follow into <laughs> battle at this point. Did like, you read a couple people said that maybe she was like Joss Whedon loved this movie and that she was like a proto Buffy. I could see that. Absolutely. She's, yeah. Which uh, she's, I mean, she's, she's awesome. More, she's more thoroughly written than Joss Whedon's lady characters so one thing that was awesome about reggie is that she's mouthy she's smart but she's also like not mouthy in a quippy way she's just mouthy yes right absolutely yeah it feels really organic which is part of why she's awesome yeah and then her hair is the other reason she's awesome (laughs) yes her hair is awesome her incredible the incredible 80s hair in this film is is in and of itself a miracle um so do you like re-watching it did you remember where you're like oh yeah i remember this or was this like a new a new rewatch for you so i at some point had rewatched it but it has been a long time i mean right like this is now i don't know the math 40 years ago right so yeah. i i must have watched this i think i when i went to the movies it was like a second run movie i feel like i did not go when i was it first came out i'm not sure but um i it's really funny because i remembered like the steel shed i remembered the comet i didn't and i remember i remember that it was like two sisters right so basically Mm -hmm. they're in different places so reggie's the older one and then um the younger one is samantha and they managed to survive just sort of by circumstance and then basically the rest of the plot is like these two valley girls you know, kind of defeat a team of evil scientists and a bunch of mean guys at the mall and, and you know, kind of each find a a, a man to love. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's really defeat some zombies. I, it was funny because the thing that really surprised me the most, so I kind of remembered the basic plot of which everybody, this is also a 90 minutes. Yeah. 90 minutes. It's not fooling around. And honestly, it was a little boring in the middle. It probably could have been 75 minutes. There, there's a lot of spending time in that, like, as, as delightful as the whole, like, montage in the in the mall was, like, we it starts to, it, it starts to be a little bit of fat in this film, Um, which, yeah. Right. Right. But so I kind of remembered some of that, but I didn't, like, I did not remember the plot about the scientists at all. Yeah. And so basically the bad guys are this group of scientists who knew it was coming or predicted it was coming and were going to like sort of save themselves. And the then the way they're evil is they accidentally, <laughs> they accidentally are exposed to the dust, which will turn you into a zombie. If of you course. get it all at once, it'll just kill you. But if you just get exposed to it, you'll eventually become a zombie. Sure. And, and so they are harvesting like the blood of people who weren't, you know, exposed essentially to try and make a serum. And I found myself also really thinking about how that would have landed during the middle of the AIDS crisis. Oof. Good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because this is 1984. Yeah. And so to have a movie that was basically like, yeah, all these people drop dead. We don't know why, but we want their blood. I was really fascinated by that too. 
because it felt like this sort of looking back now this like meta commentary on just like how we hand waved away millions of gay men dying right yeah so I was really fascinated kind of by like watching at the time I I remember having no idea about this right but like now I was no, of course not really yeah. interested in kind of that and also things like like Reggie works at a movie theater and her boss is like you're just like all kids lazy and I was like oh so that doesn't change either you still hear people talking about like millennials <laughs> that way or whatever so it was really interesting yeah. it was interesting I thought it would just be terrible and instead I was sort of like okay, this movie is kind of amazing. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I wasn't sure what I was, what we were going to be getting into. And then once I started watching, I'm like, oh, wait, yes. I love Reggie. I would die for Samantha. Um, the, the younger sister was she, because she's just so ridiculous and full of just moxie yes. and obliviousness. Like, I loved her. Um, yeah, it's, it's surprisingly, it's also surprisingly kind to the sisters like this is a movie that could have just as easily been like look at these airheads floating around you know the post-apocalyptic world and instead it was like look at these two girls who are uniquely suited to survive and it like it wants you to root for them instead of laugh at them and i was not expecting that that was i think so okay so i mentioned at the beginning like i'm a big romance reader it's like my my claim to fame and one of the things that i found myself thinking about is sometimes the things I have like strong memories of but don't like strong memories of liking but no actual memories of when I go back I feel like I really see the roots of like baby romance reader Jen in them oh yeah right and so they were strong women one of the things that I thought was really fascinating about this I was gonna say book but it's a movie is at no time is there any threat of sexual violence against these girls. Yeah, I mean, it feels like there's definitely a little bit in the mall sequence, I feel like. Like, I feel like there, there's moments where we're supposed to, pl- like, get the impl- implication of sexual violence. But we're like, obviously, these guys in the mall are unhinged, up to no good, might be zombies, but also might just be creepy rapists. Like, we don't know. Yeah. But it's never explicit. It's never, there's never an actual threat. And there's never physical violence against them that puts a sense there's like gun violence yeah right? like they're all shooting each other or whatever yeah but there's no like once they get like once they have samantha and they're holding her hostage there's no like we'll have our fun with her first creepiness right you're totally right i didn't even think of that exactly like and i was kind of expecting that to yeah i was really expecting that to happen and then the other thing i was fascinated by as you said is we are rooting for these girls and we we think that they are like they're capable they're smarter than anyone gives them credit for and then also you kind of forget back in the 80s like everybody knew that teenagers had sex yeah so like reggie is like sexually active she's got this guy they're not really dating but she's down for it yeah later on in the um in the movie she's like being interrogated by one of the bad scientists and he's like you know are you pregnant and she's like Oh, I actually wrote it down because it made me laugh. And she um and she is basically like, no, but I thought I was once. And he's like, well, I don't really care about that. And she's like, easy for you to say that it was the longest three weeks of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and I just found myself thinking, like, you wouldn't really see that in a movie now. I mean, no. The last like sort of rom-com I saw in the theater was that one with um Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Oh, Lost City of D or Lost Yeah. Yeah, like the this high school girl gets more action in the movie than these two adults did in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. 
I'm I'm very much on board with like making rom com sexy and and horny again. Have you what I've been. Have you watched Red, White, and Royal Blue yet? I haven't yet, but it's on my list. I had to watch this first, but I've heard it's pretty horny, it's which I think is great. Remarkably, it's such a triumph of horniness. Like Independent, I, I'm I'm really high on it as a movie. Um, I've seen different opinions on it. Uh, I don't care. I think that it's a triumph of horniness, and it's just charming. So yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good that's a good one. But yes, agreed. Like you're right. She gets laid, and like not. she doesn't mourn no her when like because he gets eaten by a zombie immediately like yeah and she's like too bad i think i need your motorcycle yeah which by the way like i don't know how to ride a motorcycle but is that something i need to learn for an apocalypse it feels i mean i guess so i thought the same thing i was like i had no idea right but she's just like a total badass and that was the part that i i think that's the part i probably like remembered the reason why this like this is a meaningful movie for me, not just because I went with my friends for the first time, but because I bet like I really imprinted on how these two are both like loyal to each other. They mm-hmm. like they kind of give each other a hard time. Right. Samantha, who is cute as a button, by the way. Yeah. Um, clearly is living in her sister's shadow. Right. And at one point they meet Hector, who is the like cute, you know, truck driver. And um. And she's like, you weren't even going to give me a chance at him. Like, you're just, Reggie just is, of course, going to collect him. Like, she's collected every other man who's fallen into her orbit. Yeah. And that, which felt like such a true sister's, like, it was such a true sister's moment. Yes. And their their interactions in general, like, it's just really lovely how how they wrote that, how that relationship just plays off of each other without ever being, like, their fighting feels organic, but also they resolve it really fast. Yes. Which I loved. Like, I, I appreciate that it wasn't the major dividing thing between them as a boy. Right. It wasn't. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I do. I, the whole time I was watching, I was like, man, Hector is so lucky. He's the last surviving man in the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because that what a what a real she's Barbie. He's just Ken. That dynamic is 100 percent. And the guy who plays Hector, if you were a Star Trek fan, is appeared on one of the star trek tv shows my husband's trekking he told me which one and i forgot to write it down but i was like oh yeah that's right i recognize him now (laughs) and he's great too like he's he is he leaves the girls for a day to go to san diego to check on his mom like he's like even though i know she's probably Mm -hmm. gone i have to know and you know he's like a decent guy who is trying to do the right thing and they kind of find each other and it's honestly I was incredibly charmed, like, watching it again. Yeah, he's also, his little, like, his little side quest down to San Diego, where he goes to his mom's house, can't find his mom, obviously, and then a small child zombie just starts chasing him through the house while he's yelling (laughs) that he doesn't want to shoot the kid. Amazing! What, like, this movie has these moments where it just becomes straight up hilarious for, inexplicably hilarious, and you're like, wow, that was... Didn't see that little bit of comedy coming, but yeah, the 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 kid who looks a lot like the I like turtles kid, um, yes, was chasing when he's chasing Hector through. I was like, I'm rooting for Hector, which I wasn't expecting, but I'm also laughing. Which oh I yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movie. really funny things about like when she so she escapes from like the first zombie she sees, and I will admit there were a couple times. But I was like, oh, this could maybe be really bad. So, you know, all the main characters in the movie are white. And the first zombie is, like, a black guy. And I was like, oh, God, no. Is this going to be some, like, racial... Like, is this going to be just, like, really terrible? 
and she vanquishes him pretty quickly yeah. and then like takes off on the motorcycle but then there's this great scene where she like comes to a red light and stops <laughs> you know what i mean like following yeah. traffic rules and she felt well because as she says at the end if we're the last of society we have to keep the rules in place like we've seen reggie really respects traffic yes the other thing that i thought was really interesting is then she goes back to the um the neighborhood now okay the other thing that i had of course not remembered but is very much in my personal wheelhouse is um i am really my dad was a vietnam vet and um, one of the things I've talked about extensively on Faded Mates, which is my podcast, is like the 80s romance, a lot of the heroes were Vietnam vets. Yeah. And I was really um, interested in the ways that these were stories about like reincorporating these like broken men back into society, right? Like at large, like that's what romance does. Like romance is about like kind of small C conservative, like what is happening in people's families and in people's homes. And so of course in romance though, these broken men get like reintegrated in society and find happiness. And the home in this story is like really different, right? So Mm -hmm. Reggie is at work and Samantha's at home and um, their stepmother, Doris, is there while her father, their dad is still and he's still active and he's like an army ranger or something. And he's down in Honduras. Mm-hmm. There's like some casual racism about that. It's not great. But um, this, it, so the other thing that happens is that Doris like has a fight with Samantha and Samantha slaps her and Doris like punches her in the face. So yeah. there's this like kind of casual family violence that happens. But it's also really interesting because this is a case where like the neighborhood itself looks like the Brady Bunch street. Did mm-hmm. you notice that too? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's extremely that the neighbor, like the Brady Bunch, it looks like the Brady Bunch street because that's what most suburban Southern. neighborhoods in Southern California look like. Like it just right. looks exactly like every Burbank neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was really fascinated by the way it also was sort of like, I don't know, like the missing Vietnam dad was sort yeah. of interesting to me, right? He's, uh, he's, this is all he knows how to do. So he's still in the army and instead, this terrible woman is essentially like their stepmom. Yeah. And she's cheating with the neighbor and right. And so I was also really interested in that because their perception is that their dad is like the, the greatest guy. He's really heroic. And one of the funniest parts of the movie is um, Reggie and decides they she tells Hector, don't worry about us. We'll go get some machine guns. Don't yeah. worry. My dad has we know where the armory is. They don't put any of this on on screen. Like it just happens at yeah. some point. They go out to the armory, they collect some machine guns, and then they practice shooting on like abandoned cars. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and and the part that's in the gun jams. <laughs> and Samantha looks at Reggie or the I can't remember. I think it's Samantha and she's like, Daddy would have gotten us Uzis. <laughs> <laughs> it was Samantha. Right? Yeah, it was a great moment. So, because it was the dynamic of because Samantha's got like much more hero worship of her dad than Reggie yes. does because she's like, Daddy's gonna come home when Daddy yes. finds out that Doris punched me in the mouth, he's gonna be furious. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, man. Daddy married Doris, so let's start. Yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. But like, I did, uh, yes. And when she says that Daddy would have gotten us Uzis, and that just like sets us up for the rest of the movie of where these girls are gonna be operating from. Yeah, is like Daddy prepped them. 
Yes. Daddy's got them ready to handle Uzis. That's why these girls can handle machine guns while they're doing their shopping montages. Like it's very, <laughs> I, I did love the economy of, of how they yes. just like, yeah. So here's how these two girls are going to know how to do everything. Here's yeah. how we know how to do. Yeah. This. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. And I was really, I, I was, it was, like I said, I just was, I had forgotten that whole part. I mean, it's like, yeah, very minor. Right. In terms of like the actual time of the movie telling this part of the story. But it's really clear that like, oh, this is why we get that they're mm-hmm. so capable. Right. Everything about oh those two girls surviving the apocalypse is done so smart and so well. And like I loved. So, you know, uh, <laughs> Samantha listens to the radio with her boom box um, and they realize like, wait, if there's still an audio recording, he's going to like we should go there. And it's, of course, a pre-tape that's been done for over the weekend that's just rolling. And so they've got access to this. And I was like, yeah, I love this. I love that they've gone to the radio station and now they're going to and Samantha hops on the radio because why wouldn't a 15, 16 year old like if given the opportunity? Right. Especially like in the 80s, (laughs) like the the, power radio was still like it, it would be the equivalent of having access to every streaming channel. Like, yeah, absolutely. A teenager would hop on and. Be excited for her chance to be a DJ. Yes. It's, yeah. And then she, you know, of course, sends out the signal and the scientists, I guess, hear it. And the science, like, the scientists are only harvesting children, which there wasn't a full explanation for, but was so creepy. So I... I did not get that because isn't there like a grown person that they're harvesting? I thought they were just harvesting anyone they thought was not exposed. So at the yeah. end, they take Reggie, but not Samantha because they see Samantha itching. Right. And that's like the apparently a clue that she has been exposed. But meanwhile, everybody at the end, she's fine. She never turns into a zombie. We have no idea why. Right. Because she no, because she kept saying like, this is her. It, it's, well, that's it's, right. It's a nervous it's eczema, reaction. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. She's like, yeah, she's like eczema. And so Reggie and Sam are both like, no, 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 that's just eczema. She always gets this. And they're like, no, she's been bitten by a zombie. Yeah. And she needs to be killed immediately. Now, they don't explain why she how she didn't die from the shot that she was given by evil scientist lady they don't fully go oh doesn't he say it's like it's sodium pentothal or something yeah like it was meant to make it look like she'd killed her because evil scientist lady who her name was audrey and here's the other thing i was thinking when i was a kid there was this word that i never understood like the meaning of Uh and i feel like this character perfect i was like i understand this word now and the word is statuesque Oh, yes. Right? Like, she's tall yeah. and broad and, like, beautiful. And her face is, like, very severe. Yeah. But, like, in a way that you should, she could be, like, a supermodel. And I just thought, like, oh, this is what statuesque means. She was very much in the Sigourney Weaver vein. This was somebody that could have been Sigourney Weaver's, like, yes. double in something. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And she, it, which, and no one wears, like, the way she wears that jumpsuit because yeah. she's in her... She's so in the, she, the scientist jumpsuit, the post-apocalyptic jumpsuit all scientists must wear. And <laughs> she looks so chic. I mean, like, also Reggie looks incredibly stylish and modern <laughs> in this. Like, that outfit that Reggie wears through the apocalypse. She does. Yes. Everything about that outfit. Like, I loved the broad, like, almost chef-style shirt. Oh, yeah. At one point, she had the cutest booties on. Did you notice those? I loved it with with her with her straight jeans and little skinny belt. Like that's <laughs> I know. on trend for this season. And then combined with her fabulous hair, oh my god, incredible! <laughs> her hair, yeah, 
when one of the so there's other so they're at the bad scientists like you know yeah. compound or whatever there's like the like there's audrey statue scientist and then like the bad guys and then like a, some women who are like like bloodletting essentially and um one of them was like did you see her hair <laughs> it just it really made me laugh i was like okay that's true her hair was in fact great yeah i mean i would all like that is absolutely especially knowing like wow that hair survived motorcycle riding zombies yes. you know a shootout in a mall like i would want to sleeping know. overnight on the floor and mm-hmm. the right like she woke up the next morning and i was like her hair unbelievable would not still look this great well the hairspray of the 80s before they took out all the stuff that that's would true. eat through the ozone layer that stuff was industrial that's true yeah that's true that aquanet or whatever it was yeah like that mm. her hair was her hair was probably texturally felt disgusting, but it was going to yeah. hold up. <laughs> and, you know, you got to be well, prepared. Yeah. So, yeah, they looked great. And then, like, they went to the mall. Like, at one point, they're kind of bored. Yeah. And Reggie's like, we got to pep Samantha up. What can we do? And that's when they go to the mall and they, like, try on all these honestly great looking clothes and fur coats and jewelry and the whole nine yards. It's so fun. I mean, it is. It, it drags, but it's also, like, such a fun little side quest that especially because you get to see the two of them interacting and having a good time together which like is when when samantha's trying on fur coats and a fur stole and she yeah. asked reggie which she should take as if yes she couldn't take all of them and reggie's <laughs> like the second one it's more versatile you'll get more wear out of it and it's like it's a zombie apocalypse reggie what are you bringing on here i know and i think the, the uh, in terms of like so, I mean, I like, I think character is really what like drives the whole machine, right? Like, that's yeah, what was sure. interesting and it was really fun. I think that's, you know, for sure, probably why it was really like memory, you know, memorable to me. I also think, like, I think I found myself thinking about a lot of the ways in which it, like I said, like felt like a part of like the 80s, right? Like, so obviously, like the hair and the fashion and, you know, the AIDS crisis, but there's a part where one of the bad guys at the mall is essentially like playing Russian roulette, but like at them. Yeah. And it made me think of that movie, The Deer Hunter, which was a movie about okay. Vietnam. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I think it's Christopher Walken. I have not. Christopher Walken is like back from Vietnam and playing Russian roulette and it's this like really harrowing scene and you know and so it was kind of like and but also like Valley Girl which was a movie that I think came out a year or two earlier Mm -hmm. and it had like literally it was about like Nick Nicholas Cage was I think like the cute boy or whatever yeah and and they were just like really dumb as you said dumb and ditzy and we laughed at them and so it felt like this really interesting thing to instead have these characters be so terrific right but in terms of the actual like disaster part of it like it did not care very much about its world building i would say no which like i didn't i didn't necessarily need i don't know i i i've i've come to realize like i don't need an explanation for why something is happening in a disaster movie beyond just tell me what the people think is happening and i'm good like i'll operate in your suspension of disbelief like because ultimately the science of it is just, you know, it's it, it's make-believe and that's okay. Like, yeah. I, I don't hold Marvel movies to scientific accuracy. <laughs> Why would I hold this? Right. Um, Fair. Yeah. So, like, that's very much so. I didn't need that. I did kind of in my head, I was like, canonically now we have evidence that the dinosaurs were raptured. Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> Yes. I mean, obviously. Uh, obviously. But, I yeah, I... I 
like the disaster aspect. I think that what they did with it was really great. Like it's very the visuals of all of these kind of just the clothes in the yes. streets with like the little piles of you know red sand. Fucking harrowing. That's yes. that's that is deeply upsetting. Yeah. Um in yeah. the in a in a visual way. So and I, I thought they did a great job, especially like, like you said, when she's going through her neighborhood and it's this Brady Bunch neighborhood, but just empty. But empty. Um when she finally like when Reggie finally cause she gets home, Samantha has no idea anything has happened because she's a self-absorbed 16-year-old, but like right. fair. You know, fair. who among us would have noticed an apocalypse when we were 15? Look, her stepmom punched her in the face the night before. She's allowed yeah. to be oblivious, right? I like I don't fault her for not noticing that there was no one around. Um, like she probably was just thrilled that Doris was out sleeping with Chuck so she didn't have to see her. Exactly. Uh, which, by the way, like her line, you already have an asshole, Doris. What do you need Chuck for? Is <laughs> fantastic dialogue. Like, oh, God, yes. So fucking funny. So smart. So sharp. And every single time one of those girls opens their mouth, it's something like that. And it's again, it's not like none of it feels quippy to the point where it feels inorganic. Yeah. Those words coming out of Samantha's mouth, like it felt old for her age, but partly because the actress, like as 80s actresses do, they both read in their 20s because yeah. everything about 80s styling reads old. Yeah. So like I kept being like, they feel so old. And I'm like, mm, well, hold on. Do they feel old or is it just that in 1984, everyone looked like they were 32? Like, let's. <laughs> right. Let's of course. Sidebar right? here. Yeah. Um. But like Samantha coming home, not having any awareness of what's happened and Reggie trying to get her to like stop just monologuing about her evening in order to focus. And when Reggie's outside, yes, holding up clothes, yes. standing in the street streaming, it's very emotional and yeah, moving. I thought so, too. Like that's it's very compelling. And especially partly because, like, again, you're rooting so hard for her immediately because she's so great and fun. But also like. It's a haunting visual yes. and it's very effectively done. Yeah. Well, in the part where she, I mean, especially because the the way she like seems to finally get through. And I think the other thought, the other part I thought was really interesting about this is, so she meets like the zombie in the, in yeah. the alley outside the movie theater. She doesn't see her boy, like this boyfriend kind of character. He's gone. She just picks up this bloody wrench. Then she like escapes the zombie and she's like driving along. She stops at this red light, looks at a car car and then we see her kind of continuing to drive but it's not clear until she gets home that she has pieced it all together on the way home yeah right like that was i thought also like a really interesting like kind of storytelling choice yeah which is we do not see reggie putting it together until she is trying to tell it to samantha and samantha is kind of like I can't get in touch with anybody. I have to, I don't know if I have pep practice or whatever. And it's not until um she holds she's like, this is Doris. And she holds up like the dress Doris was wearing the night before. And somehow you see that then it all clicks in for Samantha too. And it's really interesting that they're I was also kind of thinking, like, okay, like what would I do? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, sure. They go to the mall, they go shopping or whatever at some point, but they never go to anyone else's house. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's not about like, I'm going to go live in a bigger house or do whatever. It was really interesting to me the way they like, I feel like that's something like adults would do. Well, great. I'm going to move right. to that house. It seems nicer than mine. Right. Like they stay teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. They're 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 priorities of what they would do. And that's why I think like at the end. So at the end of all this, like 
Yes. They have stopped the evil scientists, um, escaped with the two children who they were going to, you know, do the, they were going to drain of their blood. Right. Um, so they're just now these two, ad- Reggie has adopted two children, these disaster children. Yes. Yeah. They're like family cosplay is essentially kind of. And that's the thing is that when we see them next, like she is forcing these two deeply traumatized children who have lost their families and then were held in a facility yeah. Um, who are not related to each other. Like we have no right. textual evidence that they are siblings with each other. Right. But they now have to be siblings while Reggie and, and Hector play parents. And there was something about that too that felt like tremendously teenagery. Like it felt very yeah, the like, oh well, we're a family now. And it was like, oh, that's oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's like back to like the clothes she's wearing like she's like so cute and like hit the whole you know she's got these great boots and stuff and then in the last scene she's like dressed like an like a school marm and she looks like she's going to an like she looks like she's just coming from the easter services like she's wearing it's a very it's a yes it's a a very like matronly but like i imagine it would have been stylish at the time i think it was supposed to read as stylish But it does read like she it's very clearly she is dressed up. Hector is in like yeah. a tux, a suit or something. Right. Yeah. And they're just take, making these these strange children take photos. Yes. Yes. I was like a family. Right? It is it is truly like it is a weird moment. It is a weird ending point of like, look, they're all going to be OK. And yeah. actually it kind of like to go off of the romance novel thing like that's such a ha- it's such a happily ever after ending. Right. Ending. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Such a specific, like in the specific way. So like if I don't know how many listeners here are big romance novel readers, but you should be. They're fucking great. <laughs> um, like if you want something where you can just kind of be like, well, I know I'm going to be in good hands and be able to just cruise through this. Do a romance novel, man. It's fantastic. Strong recommend. Yes. But happily ever and happily ever after endings are very specific in romance where it's and tell me if I'm getting this wrong, but like you, it is the the main characters are married or heading to marriage and mar- going to be pregnant generally with an epilogue of a few years down the line where we see that they are pregnant or have several children like the genre is moving away from it a little but it it's very much like at the end of every I think you could yeah I mean for sure that would yeah. have been the case back then and right now I would say the there's definitely like a group of novels right that romance novels that yeah. have that ending right marriage kids that's how we're going to show that we like are every regency novel right? i read has that yeah. like love lisa claypas but every lisa claypas sure. epilogue where we find out that they've got 17 and kids. these are what we call this inside the genre is the baby log right like it's not a it's oh, not an epilogue yeah. it's a baby log right yeah and this is very controversial now and lots of people don't do it and there's and especially in like a contemporary romance it yeah the goal is not marriage it's just sort of togetherness i mean so but i mean yes in the this way this movie has a very classic romance novel ending for that time period right which is like mom and dad and the nuclear family and like you know like getting dressed for church and taking pictures and it definitely has that whole vibe and then the part i loved and i completely forgotten this is that samantha is kind of like why are you guys like this we don't have to follow these (laughs) rules anymore right yeah and she's standing on the corner and you know, she's like drifts out into the street and, you know, she's like, there aren't even any other people. <laughs> and then this like very cute, you know, young boy, young, I guess he's not young boy. He's young to me. He's like, you know, her oh, age yeah. pulls up in a convertible, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. peak 
of cool car culture in Southern California in the 80s. Maybe it's oh, still for is. sure. And he is basically, <laughs> he's like, want to go for a ride, right? Yeah. And so she gets her man too. Yeah, she, I, I, I love that like, it isn't necessarily a resolution that this movie needs, but it's a resolution that Samantha deserves. Yes. You right. know, like I, what would suck more than living through the apocalypse with your sister that you've always lived in the shadow of who yes. has now by sheer force of will created a <laughs> nuclear family for herself <laughs> right. with the only remaining boy on earth. Like, yes, who's very cute. Not. Hector is very cute, by Hector's the way, everybody. Cute. Yeah. yeah. Like Hector's, he's got a good head of hair. He's got nothing <laughs> going on in his brain, but he does really seem. <laughs> He shows. He back, loves like, his mom. What else do you need to know, right? Yeah, and like it's just, this whole movie is set around Christmas, which is one of those great things where like it's an LA yeah. movie, so you don't really know except for the fact that like they keep mentioning that's Christmas because there's yes. no other signifiers. But Hector does return to the after he goes to San Diego. He decides on his drive back to fully dress up like Santa Claus to surprise Reggie, <laughs> which is makes like it's it's a whole thing too, like. There's no reference to it after she never sees him dressed as Santa, but we do yep. get like he confronts the evil lady scientist dressed as Santa. Yeah, it's great stuff. Well, and then when he comes back the next time to con- confront the evil like scientist at their compound, he's dressed as like a yeah. cowboy. Like the in- once they go to the mall, yes, he loves a costume. They they really lean into like these kids are playing right. They're yeah, playing at Survivor in some ways, but. Because they have these this set of skills or this moxie or whatever. Yeah. It honestly, like I said, I was I, I keep saying it, but I really like was like, oh God, this is gonna be terrible and she's gonna hate me for wanting to talk about this. But it was it was great. And it's also on YouTube, everybody. If you're like, how do you watch it? The entire movie's on YouTube. That's how I Yeah, it's it. also on Tubi. And this right. is like a perfect Tubi movie. Sometimes so like with Tubi, which is, you know, one of the free yeah. st- streaming services, and sometimes they have like weird act breaks for where they go to commercial and you're just mm. like this none of this is this felt exactly like watching a movie on tv and <laughs> like where the timing of the act breaks were and like where the commercials were i was so i loved the experience of watching this movie because it felt, felt like, like watching yeah like being on a, a saturday and i have nothing to do from school and so i'm just watching something on tv that was exactly the feeling i had watching this and it was a great feeling i am actually pretty convinced that i probably the subsequent times i saw it after that first movie theater yeah. time i'm sure this was like the kind of movie that was on you oh, know for sure saturday afternoons on like whatever basic cable channel we were lucky enough to have or whatever so yeah i mean there's nothing in it that needs to be like it doesn't need to be cut or edited or cleaned up particularly like there's not a lot of i mean i think there's a little bit of cursing but like it's not there's not nothing enough that they would just like bleep it out granted it it it, it is one moment in this movie where like i'm like it's not oh no not so much (laughs) when samantha Pose Samantha and 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 Reggie are talking um, about Hector, and then I think it's Samantha's like one thing you haven't even considered is he might be gay. He might be gay, right? Although and, she doesn't which, like, say that, right? She says, "Well, right." It, yeah. well, first, she she does it first. She's like, "Maybe he's not into either of us. Maybe he's into men." And then they're like, "This is actually fairly refreshing for her to just because she says it so yeah. matter of factly." It's just like, "Hey, this is another possibility we haven't considered," right? Then she does use the F slur. So yeah. it's a real one-two punch. But there right, is a but like moment. like the tacit admission that like gay people exist and right. Yeah. And I again I was really like struck by that. I was kind of like, okay, wow, like 
I, I don't know. I that kind of stuff when I go back and like watch 80s movies, it's like yeah. a lot of it is like panic and fear, but sometimes it is just like this exists, right? I mean, yeah. like I went back and read a romance novel I love from the 80s, went like a little later in the 80s. And I had forgotten that there was a whole subplot about this woman's like best friend being closeted because yeah. his mother like couldn't stand it, right? Like so he just couldn't be out. And I was like, oh, this is actually like pretty sensitively done for like the time period. Um, yeah. The other, it, it's it's a nice reminder that like, no, we've always been capable of showing compassion and treating people like humans. Yes. It's just a question of whether or not we prioritize that. Right. But like it right. is, yeah. And and I do think like if, I, I do firmly believe that like the use of the F slur in this movie, if it were considered to be as violent then as it is considered now it I don't definitely think it would, was not it yeah. wouldn't right it yeah. wouldn't have been in it right and i think that's an important distinction is like yes. she throws it out there as like as sure. if to say you know what if he's a vegetarian yes is, right but in the modern era you're like oh jesus yes. that's an aggressive choice I don't think in retrospect that's a choice that would have been made had the writer right. It was that. not meant to like be as much of a bomb at that time right. as it was to us watching now. Right. I agree. Yeah, exactly. Like the one guy yeah. who really curses the head bad guy of the mall bad guys. Yeah. Um, is you know, they're like, Are you crazy? Cause they're just like shooting at each other, right? Like it's just right. We see the girls like practicing their shooting on the cars. Right. These boys are practicing their shooting on people, essentially, yeah. is how I read that. And he's, you know, at one point he's like, I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. And that might be the biggest curse word there is. I think it was PG-13 because of it. Yeah, that I, I believe it. And yeah, you can absolutely cut that out. It is yes. a great line, though. I did love that. Yeah. Um, I do. I love like the entire premise of why these guys are in the mall. Yes. Is so <laughs> they're the stock so boys, right? Bizarre. They're stock boys and they survive. But like if you've survived the apocalypse, but you're the comet exposure, but you've been exposed somewhat, you have just like those are how the zombie people are created. Is it like it's yeah. just enough exposure that it's like slowly degrading them or whatever. And so these guys have been exposed, maybe, but also they kind of just seem like the kind of guys who did feel weirdly proprietary about their place of work and <laughs> right like i've seen <laughs> I, I i've worked in a mall for i worked in a mall for for about eight years um for a while we were across from bloomingdale's and so we had a really good view out the the doors of to leave bloomingdale's where there would be these smash and grabs where like they would you mm -hmm. know someone just like grab the purse and run and i would just watch it's like everything's insured. And then I would watch, we'd all just stand there and like watch the guys, the Bloomingdale security guards tackle dudes in the middle of <laughs> right. the walkways. Like I watched him just like throw a guy into a pillar once. And like one, you're watching like, man, who are you doing this for? It's one Gucci bag. Right. Like, why are we doing this over? What are we doing, what are we here? doing here? Yeah. But then beyond that, you're I'm also watching. I'm like, you aren't getting paid enough to chase this guy down and throw him into a pillar. <laughs> why do you care so much? And I feel like there was a degree as I was watching this of like when they were, you know, these guys like, you can't steal from us. This is our product yes. I'm like, guys it is the apocalypse right are let you, it go i mean they're only shopping for women's clothing and all these yeah. dum-dums are just wearing like all black with their guns or whatever it's like yeah. they're not go shop in the men's department they don't want those clothes it's fine 
it's right? fine. <laughs> Everyone can enjoy the spoils here. Like, <laughs> right. Also, very clearly, because these guys were not, they were not in like sharp ass suits. They were not taking advantage of it either. Why were they still? <laughs> yeah. Why, why, like, it's, I don't know. I feel like if there's any time that the, did you see someone shoplifting? No, you didn't. Yes. <laughs> should be applied. Definitely. It's after everyone's dead. Yeah. Like, let's let go. Did you see them shoplifting? No, you didn't. You know why? Because there's seven people left on earth. Well, and I, th- I that other part about this that's really interesting is I think this is what makes Reggie such a likable character, right? Yeah. So the whole way we are, we see her first on screen, everyone, is she's playing some kind of video game. Yeah. Like an arcade style video game in the movie theater, right? And it's like a Space Invaders type game and yeah. it looks very low tech compared to what we do now. And she has every single if, okay again i'm like for all of you young people listening um if you got a high score you could enter in your initials mm-hmm. right and then you, and so she had every single high score except number six i can't remember what it was yeah it was some, it, someone else which the, i thought some, we would right. gonna, i thought we were gonna meet him at so i was like, we did meeting- he's wait he was the guy in the car you didn't see his license plate at the end oh no he was that was him yes so that's why i wanted to come back to this when the guy who comes up and picks up samantha in the car he has the same initials as the initials at the beginning so we did meet him oh Oh, i'm so glad i oh i love that yeah yeah it's a great ending that's amazing it tees up you know future family drama between the sisters oh for sure because you know that right? the first thing reggie did after like which like we have to move this space invaders machine into our new home yes he exactly in her house of course yeah. oh my god no i did not realize that that's incredible um yes love yes. that love love also one thing i appreciate too was that like she was pissed off not because he had beaten her score but because the number six was there, like yeah specifically it, she he had booted out one of her top yes, 10 scores exactly it wasn't that he was the best and she had to beat him it was that he was mediocre compared to her yes and it annoyed her as a concept right so then before she knows about the zombies she's like the first thing she does the next morning is to like play but only well enough to beat that score and kick him you know kick him back out make sure she's like run the table on all those but yeah. i think that's the part about like when she then interacts with the stock boys and then when she interacts with the bad scientists later whatever that vibe is is her vibe through the entire movie yeah. and especially it's really funny because we get what that vibe is we've seen her right when she's with these the stock boys who are like kids her age we see her just like being like these dum-dums but it presents really differently another great scene is when the bad scientists have is like interrogating her Mm -hmm. right and he's like have you ever had a hepatitis and she is just like not gonna answer his questions yeah but she's like it is a life goal to be that dismissive of a man answering me questions asking me questions right yes she has zero like it's not she's not scared and she's not being intentionally petulant either i don't get the sense from her i just get the sense that he's asking these questions and she doesn't really know why he's he's asking them but they're weirdly invasive so she's just like fuck you i'm not gonna answer your weird questions like there's nothing i i appreciate that there's not a moment in that where it feels like 
she's being standoffish or anything specifically because she has figured it out that she is some right she's still just a kid like yeah she's just being herself even in those moments she's just being herself and she's just being a kid and it works so well yeah and he's so frustrated by her yeah and like why won't she answer these questions or she's answering them in ways that are like not helping him or giving yeah. him the information she needs and it's so funny and she's just it's like so great I mean, it's like, and essentially this was also to me like a very 80s kind of interaction between adults and teenagers. Like I, my, my son is 20 and I was like, you know, when I was your age, we didn't like our parents. It's like, (laughs) what are you talking about? How could that possibly be? But I was like, think about like the breakfast club, right? Like the whole vibe of that movie is that this teacher is the biggest jackass to walk on the face of the earth. And these kids are just like. Who is this man talking to me and why do I have to put up with him? And that was often, right? Like every single teen movie had that vibe with adults. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you just don't really see that anymore, right? Now adults are like, you know, cool and caring and like want to make sure that you're happy. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Adults wanted to take your blood and make a serum and leave you dead. Exactly. And 80s adults, like also there was more... I feel like, and I wonder if this is partly just kind of like of the last, you know, a, a thing that ha- started happening in the 90s and has moved on. Now there's sort of this feeling of like, oh, try to relate, try to talk to the kids mm-hmm. on their level. Whereas prior to that, there was a sort of feeling of like, ugh, we have to interact with the youths again. And so like, yes, his, the the evil scientist's annoyance isn't necessarily even at her specifically so much as just being like, oh my god this fucking teen like it's not (laughs) even like yeah it doesn't necessarily feel like he's specifically there's never a moment you're like ah they now specifically hate these girls and have a vendetta against these girls which like often happens in these movies where it's like why and we just watched i I, I watched signs that we we just covered signs and there's like the alien that mel gibson cuts the fingers off of like specifically goes after goes to mel gibson's house yeah finds his son and is gonna kill his son in vengeance or whatever and you're like man alien <laughs> you just missed all of your friends leaving because everyone is gonna all of your alien friends are gonna die on a water-based planet <laughs> but your vendetta is so strong, so strong yeah that you don't care and you never get in like so in contrast, though, you never get the sense that like these guys are going to risk it all right. to kill or get the blood of these girls or, you know, or, or right. Reggie once they think Sam's dead. It's really just, oh, we got to deal with these fucking, deal with these fucking teenagers. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah, like that. It, they think the other thing then is like Audrey, who's remember like statuesque scientist and the only one. The only woman who's like at scientist level and not like nurse level, apparently, is what yeah. I would say. Is she goes to the um, she ended up meeting with Hector, right? She's at the um, radio station because I think she yeah. figures out like that's where he'll come. If yeah, he's... because Samantha kept saying like we should go to the radio station. That's, that's where, where we're going to meet. Be. Right. Yeah. And um, and this woman, you can tell, is just like <laughs> like so tired of these men yeah. that she works with. Right. And she's oh, just the disdain like... is perfect. <laughs> And apparently she's the one who reveals why they're all in trouble, which is like they built this entire compound to keep themselves safe from the comet. But then they like forgot to turn off the intake on the like. Yeah. On the air, the air vents, <laughs> the air vents. And she's yeah. just like these dumbasses. I just can't. And she kills herself rather than turning into a zombie, I guess. Or, you know, yeah. 
it's honestly very there's a lot going on for this little 90 minute 80s classic yeah and i did not see her 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 reveal coming either because like she's very much positioned as the antagonist like yes and in retrospect once you start to real because like we see we see her initially you know we we hear the radio broadcast actually what we hear is samantha and reggie having (laughs) an excellent sister fight on the radio on the radio which in of itself like if i were one of the last surviving people and i heard these two sisters fighting like this i would also really struggle with the concept of do we want to bring them to our safe space like do we want to find them do we (laughs) like i know they're people and i know they're teenagers but god teenagers are a lot um especially two sisters and so you see her like not wanting to bring them to the compound and everything about that does you're like she just sucks like okay she's just the villain and because it's an 80s movie and because she's so beautiful and so statuesque you're like she could be the villain yes because of the clues we've been given of how of from seeing other movies so the reveal that actually she just she doesn't want to bring them there because she knows we're going to harvest their blood like she knows that they are in danger if they come to the complex and when you realize like oh she genuinely is like those fucking dudes i work no, with i'm like, tired of them they screwed yeah. it all up and now they're scrambling to try and fix it but they're not going to be able to fix it they're not going to be able to fix it and it's such a like what a relatable thing independent of gender but as like keeping in mind gender what a relatable thing to be like my fucking coworkers. Yeah, exactly. Like imagine at the end of the world that that's yeah. who you're stuck with, like your most hated coworkers, right? Yeah. Terrible. Oh, I mean, that's why like I, I happened to have quit my job two weeks before the city of LA shut down for COVID. But yeah, I remember like being it like just from the, the 2020 of it all in February because uh, like looking at my coworkers and being like, I'm going to die and I'm going to die surrounded by these dicks. Like- <laughs> In that circumstance, bad enough. In that circumstance where you're, you know your coworkers are going to get you killed and also already everyone else on that planet is dead. So you have c- confirmed proof. Right. Oh, that's the worst possible outcome as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like that's that's much worse than I mean, maybe like second only to being on a starship with Chris Pratt and no one else alive. Oh, that does seem terrible. Yeah. Uh, that There was a movie no. Passengers with Jennifer Lawrence where he woke her up because yes. he didn't want to be lonely. Yeah, that one. That That's like the nightmare. But second to that would be, I think, being this woman audrey trapped with her co-workers <laughs> trapped with these like, dun- yeah these dummies yeah. yeah absolutely well and i think then it's interesting too because like the most powerful interesting characters in this movie are these women right yeah. these two girls and this woman and i again i was like i wouldn't i would not have predicted that right i, I think i remember the plot i remember yeah. like these girls but i i was really won over by it like no wonder i love this movie because that's all I still want is like powerful women being awesome in a movie I watch, no matter if it's like a comet or right. I like to go to the WNBA. Like what? Yeah. Are women being awesome? I will. I will partake of this story <laughs> with you. This was great. Right. And that's like, I mean, that is that's that's all we want. And as we're seeing from this summer, like that's yeah. an incredibly powerful driver of economics too like this is the summer that we have seen a huge resurgence of women and lgbtq based entertainment and yeah it's absolutely like this and this what's nice with this is this isn't a movie that feels pandery like rah-rah girl power which going back to like oh yeah it's not girl boss there's nothing girl boss about this right yeah which like the weed and of it which like is complicated in many ways by the very mixed legacy of joss whedon um his girl bossification 
of the heroine is very specific and we yeah. never you can see where like honestly how a guy would what a guy would take from this of the things that make these women interesting and what make these that they're quippy that they're all the, it's like well the quips come from somewhere and the quips coming from somewhere is what makes it interesting not the fact that they can say these things right right i found a couple of interesting things online mm-hmm. i um and i don't know if any of the like there's somebody who keeps like a night of the comet like kind of blog i guess like for lack of a better word i found it of course i can't find it again right now i'll send you the link and amazing um on it it has like a countdown to like essentially like the night of the comet like when it would actually happen based on when the movie came out which is funny and like this person like has updated this site in the past couple of years so this is like a little labor of love that they have found there are a couple of interesting conversations about it on reddit And in Uh one of them, somebody said, and again, like, I don't know where this came from, that the whole line about um, daddy would have gotten us Uzis was apparently like, you know, they shot this thing and like, you know, on a shoestring in five minutes or whatever. Sure. And that they, the actresses were told to essentially like if something goes wrong with the guns just like kind of keep it going like we're not going to stop and reshoot and that that line might have been ad-libbed by that actress which i thought was amazing oh my god i love that and then the other thing i was trying to run down but i couldn't find it but i i will try is neil gaiman apparently wrote a a positive review of this movie in some kind of science fiction journal at some point is that amazing that's incredible yeah I love that. I know. Me too. Oh, gotta find that now. I know. Because, yeah, it's like, it's surprise. I, I, I'm shocked having watched it now, how much this movie has fallen off of the radar. Because this is, I mean, like, listen, it's not perfect, but it's no. really good. It's a lot better than it should be. And it's really fun. And That's... I'm kind of shocked we haven't gotten a remake of it. Because, okay. Like... This is the other thing I found out mm-hmm. is in 2018, there was talk of a remake And what I, but then of course that's like running into the pandemic, but there, even when I, I looked this morning, I was kind of Googling like Night of the Comet and trying to like find stuff. It said that apparently like the dream of this, this movie being remade is not dead. So everybody just go out and listen to the podcast and like watch it and let's make it, let's bring it back because I would love it. (laughs) I mean, listen, it might not be. It could go horribly awry, but it could also be really good. I, I'm holding out hope on that, that, you know, yeah. maybe it will be remade with the with the heart of the original. Because this is... I know, that's like, the part, right? Yeah, like this is a surprisingly... A, a movie with a surprising amount of depth, all things considered. Yeah. Like not, not depth in the sense of like the plot, but depth in terms of the characters. Like the heart of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think more than anything else, I think one of the things I think about like thematically speaking, right, is it's like... Is this movie trying to say something essentially like these girls were never taken seriously because of like whatever was happening in society. And then when there's no one left, they take themselves seriously and therefore are successful. Right. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of ways in which it's like talking about like who's in your way. Right. And they seemed very unconcerned with who is in their way. Right. I think they were the exact same the day before as they were the day after. But like the way we perceive them is different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It it forced us to re to 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 recontextualize what we would expect out of these girls for sure. I did not never like looking at Reggie. There was no world in which I would have expected her to be able to hop on a motorcycle, let alone hop on a motorcycle after doing hand to hand combat, because like nothing that's crazy. She just did like basic survival. She, She says explicitly to the to the zombie rapist, like I have been trained to protect myself which yes. again fully believe that her dad would have given her basic like 
you know, grappling skills. Right. And at that moment, you think she's kind of just like saying it and then she does it. It's great. Yeah. And so you're right. Like it is, it is very much a movie that I don't think they learn anything new about themselves. Maybe Samantha does, but I don't think they learn anything new about themselves, but we definitely, you're right. Take it recontextualizes them completely by the end of the movie. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's a journey in and of itself as a viewer. Like that's, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with them essentially like the only thing that the two of them kind of resolve is the little point of contention of like you steal every boy that comes into our lives right and they resolve that in 20 seconds and otherwise these girls just have to survive the apocalypse and i'm on board with watching them do that one of the things that i like kind of my big takeaway i was thinking is like i've often joked with people like this is uh you know if if society falls everybody i and it's a zombie apocalypse i I am not actually going to be of any use to anyone in terms sure. of like rebuilding. Please throw me right at the zombies. I think my brains will be delicious and then we can get <laughs> a little further away. Right. Um, and I think part of that is because so many zombie movies or books like The Road mm-hmm. by Cormac McCarthy, for example, are like so bleak and so grim. And, you know, in The Road, I don't know if you've ever read it um the his wife essentially just like gives up yeah. right so it's him and his you know and she's just like not a character Cormac McCarthy is not a person interested in women as characters at all sure. and and these types of movies I think is what like has have made me say things like that right yeah and then I watch this and I think well I think I would be very successful in this particular zombie apocalypse yeah I think like right there's been yeah and I, I I totally agree with you on that because like I don't watch a lot of zombie I don't do a lot of zombie yeah me it's neither. not my thing like yeah I don't want I don't I don't I don't need horror in my life I already spend enough of my time like just inside my own head thinking of what's yeah, in scenarios. the world yeah 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 but like I have definitely it's something that I every time I live in a new apartment I like consider okay how how do I survive a nuclear apocalypse here how do I survive a zombie apocalypse here is there a way yeah and I do think like the way that we have especially in like modern zombie movies turned surviving a zombie apocalypse into a test of like manly survivalism versus anything else right yeah no i don't think that's a fair assessment you know unless we like i think that there's actually a lot of us who could survive just by being quiet readers see this is where i I would be so great in the zombie apocalypse right yeah and i think that's what i I also really loved about it and in, in a way that I did not expect, right? When I, like I said, when the zombie appeared, I wrote in my notes, I was like, I'd forgotten there, the zombie part entirely, yeah. right? And I, but I did, I thought this is just like a the model for this. And I think that's, again, why I was, again, surprised it wasn't about like sexual violence, and you know, yeah. like is like this like really bubbly kind of like, well, this is the situation we're in now. So we might as well just like do the best we can. Yeah. And I yeah. was, it was just really winning. I don't know. I was, su- I had so much fun watching it again. And I, like I said, really thought maybe I'd steered us down the wrong path. Nope. Because even, even when they're bad, there's still something to gain from it. But what a yeah. delight that this wasn't bad. Yeah. And entirely because of, you know, part like the, how good the girls are, but then also how good the actresses are, like yeah. how charming the actresses are, how good their chemistry is with each other. Like everything about this movie works because of those two girls. And it's remarkable. Um, as a side, like I, I briefly considered writing a zombie movie many years ago, and one of the uh, the things that I had the character do was like, once the zombie apocalypse starts, she just goes the fuck to the library and is like, "Well, time to get a bunch of books on things." And she gets like, 
books on how to, you know, like engineering books and like how Amazing. to basically be able to, you know, so she can like set up her own water recapture and like basic books on growing plants and vegetables and like foraging because in a zombie apocalypse, that's, that's what, what I you do. Need to do. Like, uh, I don't know how to forage. I should probably figure that out because I'm going to need food eventually. Like, yeah. 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 And I feel like that's, that's very much how, how a reader would and should respond um, in a zombie apocalypse and how we'd maybe survive. Sure. Maybe. You'd be like, I remember where the armory is. We should yeah. get some guns. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't really know. Like, I love these girls, like, know how to handle a gun, which yes. is good for them. But um, yeah, they, they just adapt and they are lovely. They are. So you, is there anything else before we get to the, what is this movie really about of it? Is there anybody, anything else about this movie? that's just like, just as a, a one thing you got to shout out or like, Oh, I would just say the 80s, like fashion and hair mm -hmm. was like part of what I thought was like so fun. I mean, like just the whole entire, it just really felt like of its time. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. In a way that was, you know, like leg warmers and like the, I, I don't know. I just, that part really made me laugh. I It was, and also just, you know, like the houses. I mean, like their kitchen. I was like, oh my God, that was like my kitchen in my house, right? Like, yeah. All the appliances were like pale yellow or avocado green <laughs> or whatever, right? So it was right. That little like 70s leech over into the 80s. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and I feel like that's part of maybe like it's like a low, it's not, tr it wasn't trying to like have longevity. It was really like this perfect 80s slice of life for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can absolutely see that the premise is just uh, you can see where the premise came from of like a writer going, what if some valley girls survived yes. the apocalypse? And like in the sense that valley girls were a new and like, yes, very gimmicky concept. Yeah. Like you can absolutely see that this is it's not just two girls surviving the apocalypse, but the idea of the valley girl in everything that was carrying with it by 1984. You can yeah. totally see. Yeah. This was a movie absolutely of its time intentionally. Yeah. Well, you talked a little bit about the AIDS crisis aspect, yeah. of it, which is really interesting. I hadn't put that together at all. Do you like what do you do you think that this movie is about something more than a comet? Do, what, where are you kind of falling on that? I mean, it's I guess I would say like one of the things it feels like is like right now, I think we're living in a time when the question of like the validity of science is right. Like there's so much political, sure. the politicis, politicalization, I don't know the, what word I'm looking for of scientists and like their authority. I think we've I, like, when I look back at movies like this now, it seems like the beginning of that, right? Like we didn't see that it was a part of like a bigger trend, right? Mm -hmm. But like the bad guys being scientists and, you know, like science being something Right. Like everybody thinks this comet is just going to be like innocent and instead it's really deadly. Um, so I think that's like one of the things that seemed to me like thematically like, oh, these weren't this is the beginning of a time when we started to question science and technology and what impact it would have on people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um so, I, I mean, that was, like, one of the big things I thought it was about. And then, like, the AIDS crisis thing, I mean, I guess I would just say – Again, it's almost impossible if you didn't live through it to remember how terrified people were of blood. Yeah. Of like, yeah. just, you know what I mean? Like, God, you know, you could like pick up some object at the playground and it could be, you know what? I mean? and, oh, yeah. It right? was. Yeah. It was. I mean, like they had to, you you had to, they were, I remember being taught explicitly yeah. like, bathroom seats are fine yes You're, like having yes. to di differentiate and talk about that because there was such a fear of just like or oh god 
the Halloween, you know, there's going to be there razors in their apples and stuff, yeah, right? That yeah. that have that have AIDS on it. Yes. Oh, there's someone who's who's putting needles in kids' candy to give them AIDS. Like that was such a yes. The the idea of blood and the threat of the present yeah. threat of AIDS was very much yeah yeah. And so you know, part of me thinks, okay, so this movie came out in 1984, so it was probably made in 1983 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that was like prime time for like there we were just figuring out what it was yeah and you know there was this sense of like a great othering right or just like the bearing of it entirely right like if it wasn't about you know nobody you knew was going to get it because you were good and right and did the good thing and the right thing yeah right and so like part of me thinks like i don't know and i i don't have like a conclusion right about like what i think it was trying to say or even if it was trying to say something but it's kind of hard for me to imagine that you wouldn't at the height of the aids crisis or as at its beginning write a movie where all of society gets wiped out by something no one understands and then like blood is like has something to do with it right yeah i think that's absolutely feels like ill-conceived maybe what they were trying to say maybe it was just one of those things where like they're like oh that we were working through some things i mean sometimes sarah and i say that on the podcast right yeah you could tell people are really working through some things and they don't really have a a statement yet but i did i found myself really thinking a lot about about that how interesting it was right like i thought it was going to be about like piles of dust on the sidewalk but at the end it's like scientists and blood and like who is worth saving and not and that felt very poignant almost thinking about it in terms of that time, that time frame. Yeah, I think that's a really like I I didn't have a what is this movie really about for this um going in. And I really, really like yeah. that lens that you're viewing it through. Cause you're right, like even even if there isn't stuff that you're necessarily like that as a society we figured out, in the early stages of things, you can watch that anxiety play out. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I do think like that's a really interesting point that this sort of medical anxiety and the fears around AIDS and the fear of, and, and the idea of just like at the end that there's some people that can be saved and some can't, but it requires blood and yeah. we're not totally sure how it's going to save them, but we think that we can. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting read on it is to kind of look at it through the lens of kind of the early stages of the AIDS crisis and not because I mean, it yeah. I, I it wouldn't there wouldn't have still been a full a full understanding there was no way to treat it you know so it's yeah i think that's a really if nothing else like because again a lot of the time with these what is this really about it's not necessarily you assume that there's no world in which that's what they were actually thinking about right yeah that's us that's like the lens of time like that's what makes art interesting right exactly like looking at but yeah as a creator like you do pull in the things around you so even if it wasn't intentionally the aids crisis being pulled in like yeah seating it in that world is really interesting i mean i i do think so i also like i agree and i would say the the last thing i i thought this movie is about and part of me part of it again like my interest in vietnam is very personal but also like has been around for a long time and i don't know there's a new podcast from the ringer network called do we get to win this time Mm -hmm. and it's all it's about a guy who and i just started listening to it who is really interested in the way in which hollywood portrayed vietnam in movies throughout the 80s and 90s 
And one of the things he says in like the introductory episode is that like it was pervasive, like Vietnam was kind of everywhere. And one of the things I found myself thinking about was like the the sort of like latchkey kid, broken family. And it doesn't really play out in the same way because a lot of that was about divorce and single moms, yeah. right? But the 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 sort of kind of meta commentary on like the nuclear family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what it meant that like they lived in that like kind of perfect suburban street and yet you know like these two sisters were so close but like i said there's like kind of this casual violence in the family dad clearly loved the girls and taught them to take care of themselves but in a very specific way yeah and i thought that that was also like really interesting right like we get hector going back he has to go back and see his mother before he can sort of commit to being like to his new family, right? Making that like nuclear family at the end. And I, I thought that was like a really interesting part of it too, is, you know, if all of society gets wiped out, who's your family, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting that they, they, that they rebuild it, that they, they work very hard, that they immediately just like want to have a family, which, you know, again, is, is somewhat the, of the time but also that is a very human instinct to be like well this is our community now we yeah. need to rebuild it like i want a community in a, in a group yeah so yeah yeah no i think that's really I, I love all of that do you have any fantasy casting if you were if you were able to remake this movie if do you I have anybody remake this movie okay here's the one thing i really mm-hmm. oh, back to that, like what would the happily ever after for this movie look like for me i yeah. really in my brain was pretty convinced that like dad was going to arrive on a helicopter at the end of this and be like, yeah. oh yeah, I just happened to be in my steel shed in Honduras as well. Here I am back. Don't worry about it, girls. Like I wanted them to get their father back more than yeah. I saw them as like adults ready to like be out there in the world. So yeah, I don't know. That's like a really interesting question. Who would I fan cast? I mean, I found myself thinking maybe about like the Audrey character, like who would yeah. be a great Audrey and I think my answer is Beyonce. <laughs> and I oh don't know God. why. Just because I'm obsessed with her, right? And we just saw the Renaissance tour. Sure. But I just feel like her, like, ennui and tiredness of these, like, men, I feel like is very this summer's vibe for me. Yeah, okay. I like that. I like I like the idea of just, you know, <laughs> we can even recenter this entire movie about, like, Beyonce as Audrey surviving the apocalypse with incompetent coworkers. We yes, can do that. Right? And I she's, like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. This the fan casting part's hard for me. Like, yeah, because I don't even know. I'm like, who are these young people? Like, right? Like, okay. I guess Harry. To- I would like Harry Styles to be <laughs> the guy who drives up in the end in the convertible. I think that's great. But as Harry Styles, like I think oh, it yes. should just explicitly be Harry Styles survives the apocalypse. Yes. And now yeah. he's like, oh, I guess I'll pick up this girl. Imagine that would be great. I feel like that's got to be at least half of like the fanfic out there about Harry Styles is like Harry Styles and I are the last two people who survived the apocalypse. That would be that would be very compelling to me as a teenage girl. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I yeah. think the only other thing I was thinking is it would be really funny because like part of me too was like when you are fan cast like when you're remaking a movie like this yeah. right like who's gonna go see it it's gonna be like people my age right and i was thinking it'd be really funny to like make all of the bad scientists like various bad guys from like <laughs> tv shows and movies from like later in the 90s like like in the x-files you know the cigarette smoking man sure 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 like he would definitely be great like as the interrogator bad guy yeah. right but like if okay. all of them were just played by like various 
the villains. The who's who of yes. villains? Right. Oh, I like that. I thought yeah. That, yeah. That's my, so that's it. I said I didn't have an idea and then I was like, oh no, wait, I have lots of ideas. No, I love that. I love the idea of basically doing like the, you know, universal monster verse of bad guys from pop culture as yes. the villains of this. Sure. <laughs> Why not? I I very much was as I was watching this and particularly I think because of the girl who played Reggie's bone structure um, it felt very I was like I could see this as an early 2000s movie Mm. like this could Mm -hmm. have been remade in 2005 and that's the cast I want to see and it would have been Jennifer Garner as Reggie oh yeah sure yeah yeah and then uh, Hector would have been Jake Gyllenhaal oh yeah I can see that that's great yeah, and then we would have aged Reggie up a little and probably removed the whole Doris of it. Um, and it would have been just like Reggie takes care of her younger sister, Samantha. And then Samantha would have been, I think, like a Kaylee Cuoco is kind of where I was falling on that. Okay, I like it. It would have been, it would like 2005 would have been like right in the middle of her eight simple rules to dating my teenage daughter. Like we would have been kind of in the ascendancy of Kaylee Cuoco's comedy era. Um, and so I think that she could have really played a nice, played off of Jennifer Garner's like no nonsenseness but both of them do feel like girls who would be able to work a gun yeah and like jennifer garner absolutely knows how to clean and reload like a a semi-automatic yes this just is her essence um so yeah and then and then sigourney weaver would have slotted in for audrey and given her like perfect yes yeah would have given her that villain turn um but then like obviously the reveal that she's not the villain yeah that's how i would have done it uh because like i don't know i don't know if this I feel like this movie has to feel a little retro. Oh, yeah. And so I think it's so hard too. for me to imagine it as like a modern, yeah. with a modern cast. Right, right. Well, I, I think, think the other thing is like they very quickly establish essentially like once the comet goes by, phones don't work anymore. Nobody knows yeah. why. Right. Like it just kills all the people and the phone lines. And I feel yeah. like once you have technology, right, then it kind of becomes this really interesting thing where it's like, well, when does TikTok stop working for the teenagers, right? Right. And right. like the zombification, I mean, I feel like, you know, people like being obsessed with their phones and stuff. We often use like zombie as like pejorative for like people yeah. that, you know, I can only look at my phone. So it's like, what would the mall boys be, right? Like just right. gamers. I mean, it's really interesting to think about how some of those things would translate. Yeah, for sure. I, I, they absolutely would be like twitch streamers yeah yeah or yes yes right they love call of duty and now they get to play with real guns that's how i felt like those guys were back then and it's who they would be now yeah i think that's fair i i totally think that's a fair assessment that that's who they would kind of translate to in the modern era so with all that in mind uh out of five towering infernos and you can do partials how many towering infernos are you giving uh night of the comet four and a half okay I'd love to. Tell it. me why. You I don't it. know. Okay. I just really, I think part of it is like, my assumption was going in that it was going to be like minus five, right? Yeah. Like it's going to be terrible and I'm going to be embarrassed and we're just going to be like, wow, was that terrible? So yeah. I think also like the differential, like the high ranking for me is because I was so pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it and how many, how interesting it was to think yeah. about what it might be saying, right? That's totally fair. That's totally valid. I'm going to go lower um, only because I like- it didn't I, I didn't have any expectation going in. So it kind of was like, OK, well, this was it overachieved from what it could have been. Right. For me, it's like a three point seven five, which is a very strong showing relative, like so strong showing for this movie. <laughs> um, I did not anticipate that going into it, that it was going to come above a three. Great time. Definitely like has stuff that could have been improved on, but 
the baseline. Like I had a great time watching it. It was fun. It was enjoyable. If somebody asked me, should I watch this movie? I go, yeah, sure. It's fun. You know, it's, and it's 90 minutes. You're going to have a good time. Like, right. Like it's great. It's no investment. It's great. So yeah, I, but I, I I am so thrilled that you brought us this one because it it never would have been on my radar otherwise. And now it's a very valuable addition. So thank you for that. Perfect. Well, I'm really happy to, I'm happy that it was not a disaster (laughs) in that way. A good disaster. Yeah. Well, Jen, before I let you go about your day, um, where can we find you? Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, like, you so yourself. you should. I am still on Twitter. Talk about a disaster in the making at mm-hmm. Jen Reads Romance. And my podcast is called Faded Mates. That's F-A-T-E-D, meaning we are faded for each other. And um, we drop a new episode every Wednesday. And um, that's like the best place to find me is li- talking about great. romance novels. I, I I have so enjoyed. I, I it's one. It, it, I don't listen to many podcasts, and it is one of my go tos. It's really lovely. So, it, it, about a genre that is fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome, you guys, and you awesome. will find something to like if you listen to our podcast. I promise. Yeah, you guys cover every like. There were things I didn't even know were genre that I'm just like, oh, oh, okay, cool. That's good to know that that exists. Not not the thing I'm going to It's a big umbrella. There's something for everyone. It really is. It's unbelievable. You will learn something about yourself when you start to explore like, oh, that's a trope I'm into. Didn't know that. Well, I'm really hoping that you will send us this audio so we could run it on our feed. And then I was like, I should tell Sarah that we should make, do like a disaster one. There's not a whole lot of disaster romance, but there's definitely some of them. I am absolutely in for anything involving, t- even if it doesn't have a disaster, but it's just like, could be a disaster. I'm in. Um, but yeah, the- check out Faded Mates because it is a fabulous podcast. And Jen, thank you so much. This was this so great to have you. Really fun. Thank you for having me. I'll be back next week with Liam O'Donnell. He was a previous guest. He was on the Independence Day episode. Um, and he is a writer and director. And we're going to be talking about Waterworld. So come on back next week for that. Uh, all sorts of good talk about the spectacle of Waterworld, Eargills, Kevin Costner. Um, you know I love Kevin Costner, so a lot of conversation about that. Um, but in the meantime, you can – oh, if you haven't checked it out, there is a new, sh- a new shirt, no, uh, no Thoughts, Just Chomp, that the profits are going directly to Minorities in Shark Sciences, which is Jada's group. Um, that was from the Meg episode last week or two weeks ago now. Um, And then, of course, you can find me. I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. I'm Amanda Smith on Blue Sky. We are disaster underscore pod on Twitter and disaster pod on. uh, Yeah. Or no, sorry. Disaster girls on Blue Sky. If you have a few minutes, please write a five star rating and review. It's super helpful. Share it with your friends. Um, And otherwise, I'll see you all back next week for Waterworld. Bye. (laughs) 